0: Bibles now and turn to Revelation 21. And as we're in the book of Revelation, guys, I don't know if you understand how profound this chapter is on November 1st, 2020. It's been said before that where you are in the word, as we travel through, is where you are in your life. Right there where you're at. Maybe it's the Psalm of the day and you just read it. It's, oh, it's exactly what I needed today, Lord. It says, if you know everything, you know. And here we are now in Revelation 21, which is a future prophecy and promise of heaven. It's a description of where we're going and what's to come. Given to John 2,000 years ago in order that John could find comfort in his trials and tribulations and tests, in order that John could know, okay, well, that's where we're going? All right, well, I'm gonna fight differently then. Now that I understand, not only will I fight differently in my life, but I'm gonna lead differently in the lives that I'm influencing and helping along their way because you can't take anybody where you're not. You can't give anybody what you don't have. You can't tell people what you don't know. And so John was given this revelation and Jesus said, write and record and give this to everybody. And blessed are those who read it, who hear it and who keep it. So here we are now, 2020, November 1st. You guys are here, so proud of you, this is so cool that we get to read this and study because as we keep it in the forefront of our mind, we won't get it twisted. Now, Revelation 21 comes after Revelation 20. You could write that down in your notes and Revelation 20 was where we were last week. And in Revelation 20, we talked about the great white throne judgment seat, okay? It's a portion of scripture where most people don't like to talk about because it speaks about the people who reject God in this life, reject God during the tribulation, and will then be stood face-to-face with God, and the books will be opened up. And you remember last week, I said something kind of funny. It was actually hilarious, but it was actually offensive. I'll say it again, because it was both hilarious and offensive. Is that when the books are open and people are looking for your name and the angels are like, no, I don't see your name in here, you know? And I made this kind of funny joke, you know, about somebody saying, well, just maybe check my maiden name, maybe it's other, you know? And and it was hilarious. And and somebody texted me and said, Luke, I felt somebody was watching at home online. They said, I laughed so hard when you said that. I felt sinful. And I said, you should feel sinful. (laughs) It was both hilarious and offensive, you know? And let me underscore this because the great white throne judgment seat is nothing to joke about. It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. He, war- he didn't just say it, because you know, just make, fill in, nose, no guy, be, be warned. The books, they don't lie. If your name's not written in the book of life, okay? Oh, it's not here? That book will be shut. And then the book of your life will be opened up. The record of all your doings and actions and rebellions, it'll be opened up and just word for word, it'll go through every single year of your life. Here's why you're going to hell lest there be any confusion, lest there be any objection. You see, it's all written right here. Now, everyone here who's going to heaven, that's me, and then somebody, you know, all you guys, okay, I'm going to heaven. I also have a book of offenses that would indeed damn me to hell because of all of my actions, you know what? But it's been erased. Colossians chapter two, it says that there's a list, there's a writing of requirements against you, everything you've ever done, but it's been blotted out with the blood of the cross. Christ having made a spectacle of those things that are against you. And so the books will be opened and people will have their names not written in the book of life. Nobody likes to talk about this, okay? Because it's offensive. Is it not offensive? I mean, if if you just look at a real kind of linear and two-dimensional, it's like, well, you're gonna judge everyone forever? How dare you, you know? People get mad, listen, that there's only one way to heaven. Ever ever heard that or thought that through? Like, I guess, man, that's kind of crazy. There's only one way to heaven. (laughs) Man, I guess that's offensive, you know? In a world of pluralism and and humanism where every way is the right way. And as long as you're sincere, man, that's good enough for me. As long as you're sincere, you believe whatever you want. If you're sincerely wrong, (sighs) I'm more surprised. Not that there's only one way, (laughs) I'm surprised that there is a way. Are you for real? Have you ever just kind of looked at your own like record of what you've been up to? Have you done that before? Man, scary stuff. The fact that uh, that there is a way, that's crazy. God is so generous and so kind. There is a way, there is a way. It's important that people don't get this confused because people are so entitled and this is the most entitled generation. And we compare ourselves wrong, don't we? I should go to heaven for sure. Kidding me? Look at me, <laughs> you know. Okay, we're looking at you. You think you, should, you think you should go? Yeah, I'm better than a whole bunch of different people, a whole bunch of bad guys. All these bad guys in the world, man. I've seen some bad stuff. I'm better than all those bad guys. Well, that's cool, good job, man. You should be better than bad guys. But are you better than a good guy named Jesus Christ? Are you good enough? Because actually you can get to heaven without God's salvation. you actually don't need Jesus to save you to get to heaven. You just have to be perfect. It's like, there's a, I guess there's more than one way, you know? <laughs> Problem is, is nobody's, nobody's perfect. You're actually born imperfect, conceived in sin. Psalm 51 tells us we're conceived, we're broken. Born broken, our spirits are broken. Because of our forefathers, Adam and Eve, and we're broken, and not only were we born in brokenness, but when we're born in brokenness, then we quickly live and act out our brokenness. Have you ever promised to never sin again? Only to sin before the promise is over? <laughs> you know, have you, man, we just act out our sinful nature so quick. Amen. And so I don't like to talk about it, and it's important you know about it. There is a way out. There is a way of truth in the life. There is a door. To get to heaven, you can escape the white throne judgment seat. You don't have to go there, but if you do, you will be sentenced to eternity without God and in suffering based upon your rejection of the free will offering of Jesus Christ and additionally based upon your actions that you lived in your life that were sinful. But if you hear that message now and cry out for mercy, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. What? forgiven. Just like that. Not everyone likes to talk about this. A good friend of mine, Eddie Townsend, doesn't mind talking about it though. i told you guys a story before. Eddie had just gotten saved and was fired up and we were living in Ashland. And He signed up for a Friday night open mic at the Wild Goose Saloon. And he called me about 20 minutes prior. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm going to the Wild Goose Saloon for open mic night. And I was like, good luck, bro. He said, no, I, I need you to go with me, man. I, you know, I need some help. I was like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm discipling this guy. Okay, okay. So I went to this Wild Goose Saloon. We had two booths there full of young Christians, you know, are on fire for Jesus. And this was like a rootin' tootin' saloon, like no jokes, you know, the real deal, not just like a trendy hipster bar. This was like the next level, you know what I'm saying? And as we're sitting there, the open mic begins. And the guy says, all right, Eddie Townsend's here. Open mic, anything goes. I'm not sure what this guy's gonna say, but he comes up and Eddie got up there. He said, I'm gonna tell you guys about God. Okay, right then I started looking for the exits. Hey, exit there, exit there. Okay, I got this. And there was a guy next to me that had been drinking, you know, and he was kind of, you know, a biker style guy. And, and he began to, in my ear, I could hear heckle Eddie from a distance. Like, Oh man, this guy's the worst. Get him out of here, you know. And then Eddie, and I'm like, okay, okay, this guy, I'm gonna watch out for him. And there's the exit. And, and, and then Eddie went on to start his five minutes of open mic. He said, you guys have all heard about the, God, the goodness of God and the grace of God, and the love of God, and the kindness of God, and the forgiveness of God. It's a good message so far, and this guy's still heckling. And then Eddie said, well, today I'm gonna tell you about the other side of the coin, the great white throne judgment seat. Now at that point, I said, I'm gonna go start the car. I'm gonna go start the car. Get her fired up, you know. And Eddie began to preach about Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment seat, that every man, every woman would stand before the king of kings and would find themselves standing with the books open. And as he began to preach this, Eddie then segued into the answer. He said, but you can escape this judgment. You can give your life tonight to Jesus Christ. You can be set free and forgiven. He's preaching the gospel, and I kid you not, at this point, the guy sitting next to me that had been heckling the whole time began to nod in agreement. And he he began to utter under his breath, he's right. He's right. He he was a prodigal, a wayward son that knew the truth and had gotten caught up in stuff. And yet as Eddie was bold enough to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ with not just the good news, but the bad news. Because the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad, isn't it? I got some good news, man. It's only as good as the bad is bad. (laughs) Now, I want you guys to be equipped for the lives that you're gonna live. Especially as the holidays come up and you're with family that that don't agree with you. Think you're judgmental, think you're haughty, think you're prideful. Or maybe you're blessed with a few people that don't agree with you and yet they love you and they see you and they say, tell me about this, Dan. Why do you believe this? Tell me. And they really wanna know. I have actually come to realize there are people that do really wanna know. Most people just wanna fight me. I stopped fighting people a long time ago. I just wasn't gaining any traction, wasn't working. It was kind of fun for a couple hours and then I just needed more coffee and you know. But when people have good questions, hey man, I got some questions. So let me help you guys, I wanna equip you guys that there is only one way, there is a way, that should be the surprising part. How is God gonna judge the world then? It's, just, it's kind of unfair and people don't like this message. I told you last week, uh, Hebrews nine twenty-seven. it's appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. Let me give you three more points. You can write this down on your notes, pull your phone out, pull out your notes, do whatever you gotta do. Number one, when people are judged at the white throne judgment seat and they didn't give their lives to Jesus, the first thing that's gonna incriminate them is the actual actions that they did in their whole lives. Okay, they're just simple people. It's just gonna be laid open. There's not even gonna be a defense like, hey, this, is, this isn't fair. It's like, okay, well, just go ahead and look at the book. It's not, not about fair. It's about what actually happened. And as the books are opened up, people will be judged primarily, number one, because of their sin and evil that they committed. Number two, because the books will reveal their true heart, there will be no argument. Not only will their actions be revealed, okay, but their hearts will also be revealed and exposed. And the third thing, I want you guys to really pay attention to this. This is my saving grace. For why I can believe and trust in God. Because in my human nature, my broken, finite thinking, I get frustrated too, with the nine billion people on planet Earth, and a majority of them, a lot of them, a bunch of them aren't gonna make it. I'm like, oh man, what's up with that? And here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God is just to give light and truth and direction to every single person on planet Earth. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are sitting Somewhere, where are they at? Right there, I guess. And they uh, led me to Jesus. They sent me to summer camps and Sunday school and Good News Club, and I had an opportunity to get saved. Okay. And at age eight, when I had an opportunity to get saved at Good News Club at the second recess at Bear Creek Elementary School, and the teacher said, "If anybody wants to give their life to Jesus Christ and go to heaven, raise your hand right now." Additionally, you got a gum drop. I do remember that part too. <laughs> I got saved, man. And so, what was afforded for me? I, was, I got saved because it was, it was presented to me. But what about the people that aren't raised in that fashion? What about the people that grow up in Europe right now, a godless continent? What about the people that grow up in, in, the, in the jungle, the unreached people groups? Okay. God is just to give every man and every woman enough light in their life, inspiration message, something, enough light, listen, to respond to that light. When you see creation, Romans chapter one and two, Psalm chapter 19, it speaks of God's glory and his handiwork and his, his amazingness and his kingdom. And when a man or woman softens their heart and instead of coming up with this evolutionary theory where there is no God, but there is a big bang and there's a bunch of matter and a bunch of atoms and a bunch of protons and a bunch of stuff, but we don't know where it came from. And when instead of responding that way, when a man or woman looks at the stars or the blue moon we had last night and says, sheesh, there must be something out there, okay? God softens that heart and gives them more light and more light. And God is just to give every single human. So when, other, when a person gets to heaven and they didn't get saved, okay? The replay is gonna be right there. Oh yeah, here was the light I gave you. Here's the playback. You missed that turn, you missed that exit, you missed that opportunity, you missed that offering, you missed that exposure, you missed that thing. You rejected your heart, you rejected you used heart your heart, you did all this stuff. God will save, so if you're a Christian here and you're kind of wondering, oh man, this doesn't sound fair. It will be fair. It will be be more than just. God will have gone to great lengths to reach every man and every woman. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, just so you guys know. Recently I heard a story, a friend of mine, and I gotta be careful how I share this. It's in the Middle East, we'll leave it that way. And a Muslim man had a dream. True story, happened two months ago. And he had a dream, and in his dream, he was instructed to walk to a certain city and ask for a certain man. This is COVID over there too, there's no cabs, there's no, it's not happening. This man walked for hours to this city, true story, and he went to a grocery store and he mentioned the man's name. Hey, I'm looking for a guy by this name. And they said, well, yeah, we, we know him. He lives right on the corner in, in this environment. And so this Muslim man, part of the brotherhood, was instructed in the dream, this man will tell you the way of salvation. And so this man walked to that door, knocked on it, and told this person, you were in my dream. And I was instructed to come here. And since that time, this man has given his life to Jesus and he's brought other friends of his on this walk. And, and I heard this story, I heard it just a week ago, a true story, I thought, how cool is that? The Lord will give opportunity for every single person. The fact you're here today as, I don't know how your life unfolded for you, okay? Count yourself blessed to be here. Blessed to be a person who loves God. He has wooed your heart, He has won you over. And if you're watching online, if you have friends, man, can you pray? Pray for the people that don't know Jesus. As I was driving here, there's a, a gentleman who's posted up, homeless guy right across from Ark Bible Church. You guys seen this guy? He's there, he's got the cross and stuff. And and then there's another guy. You guys probably know this guy, I don't know his name. Uh, He walks around town with a rain gear on. Yeah, we all know this guy. And I began praying for, I saw both of them this morning. And it was so cool, I'll give you an an image, an illustration. I don't know these guys, I don't know them by name. But what I did was I, I lifted up who they are to the throne of God. I said, Lord, would you save these guys? If I'm honest, I don't have enough time or maybe even enough love to pull over and talk to them. Maybe this week I will. But Lord, I don't know what's going on. Would you save them? Would you? Maybe they're already saved, I don't know. Lord, would you just bring people to the throne of God and just let God deal with them. If you're like me, you don't have enough love, you don't have enough resources, you're, you're, you know, (laughs) you just bring them to God. Let that be what we do. Why? Because the great white throne judgment's real. I remember Eddie Townsend. I'm way off my notes now, I'm in trouble. We were walking through the Green Springs dormitory during one week early, all the football players were there. Jocks, cool guys. And As we were walking by, we were helping new freshmen move in and and Eddie walked by and Eddie's an ex-football player at Southern Oregon University. And and so he looked at all these incoming freshmen. He said, hey, if any of you are a Christian, stand up right now. And I'm like, dude, I'll be at the car. I'll just be at the car, I'll just be at the car. <laughs> Stand up right now because the Bible says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before angels. but if you deny me before man, I'll deny you. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, There's like 20 football players and three homies <clears throat> popped up. And I was like, dude, savage moment for those three guys. Yeah. Called out, you ever been to college before? Man, it's the crazy place. Standing for Jesus Christ as amongst your peers. Why, why would, we, why would we labor to this end? Why do we do what we do? Why do we send missionaries out? Why do we send money out? Why do we, do what, why do we let our good deeds be seen before men that they might see them and glorify our Father in heaven? Because there's a judgment day, Hebrews nine twenty-seven. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. God has gone to great lengths. He created the universe and the cosmos on purpose. So that way, nobody should perish. He sent his own son. The whole book of Revelation is a wake up, a shake up in order that he might make up and take up people. And now we're seeing the culmination. We know what's happening here. And let me just say this finally before we get into what we're supposed to study today. This is all recap. <laughs> I meant to say all this last week, but something happened. I'm gonna make this super clear. God does not actually send anyone to hell. You have to reject him, his creation, his offering, his son, and his salvation. You sentence yourself. It's as if the Lord above would say, nobody goes to hell unless you step over my son's dead body. And you have to look at Jesus Christ, say, I don't want nothing to do with that. And you reject Jesus and you sentence yourself. In case there's anybody here struggling with God being God, why is he so mean? Why does he not care? Falk, false and fake news. He does care. He is very concerned. That's why we're even alive right now. I would've wrapped this thing up a long time ago. But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. Hallelujah, amen. As a matter of fact, there are two roads. One is narrow, one is broad. Both roads will be well-marked throughout everyone's life. You will know which road you're on. There will be many off-ramps on the broad road that leads to destruction. Off-ramps, exit here, exit here. Next rest stop, never, you know, exit here. In life, God will call people to himself. Well, now we get to Revelation 21. We have any time left? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) All right, we'll do our best. Guys, Revelation 21 is the second longest chapter in the book of Revelation. The first longest chapter is chapter two. Chapter two is a chapter dedicated to the church that she might know how to live. Okay, it's very important. The second longest chapter is chapter 21, and it's dedicated to describing heaven. Because if we live right with the longest chapter, then we're going to live eternally right with the second longest chapter in heaven. But the third longest chapter is chapter 18. And chapter 18 is the coming final judgment of the worldly system of Babylon. So the three longest chapters are like a sandwich to me. Here's what you do so you can get to where you're going because you gotta avoid chapter 18. So as we study chapter 21, it describes heaven in detail. The word heaven or heavens or the plurality of heavens is mentioned in the scriptures around seven or eight, 800 times. But if you're honest, okay, just do you, do you really know what heaven's gonna be like? Like really, really, really? Like the answer is I'll just answer for you. Like no, we just don't have a lot. But we got this chapter that describes what heaven is going to be like in order that we might be motivated, in order that we might look for what God has planned for you and for me. So let's study it out. And if you're a note taker, okay, I'm gonna give you seven things that heaven is gonna be like. They all start with R to make it easier for you. It says, now I saw verse one of 21, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. Stop right there, eyes up here. Heaven, first of all, is going to be renewed, completely new, brand new, not remodeled, not renovated, not recycled, renewed. Some people have the understanding or the, mindset that heaven will be kind of like, you know, a fixer-upper, where it's quaint to start with, but God's going to make it, you know, expand it. And make Listen, he says right here, old heaven and old earth have passed away. Jesus said this in Mark 13, Matthew 24. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. Now, a couple of these concepts as we come out, I just have to accept them. I don't understand them. Heaven and earth will pass away. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of I'm frugal. Like, why can't we just use it again, you know? Can we just do it over? And God says, no. See, heaven and earth are both tainted. God could redeem it, God can do whatever he wants. Let's actually establish that right now, okay? How many of you guys know that God can do whatever he wants and whatever God does is right? Okay, you might paint your house on the outside and buy some new carpet, new furniture and put a new skylight in, but eventually you're gonna be like, I don't like it anymore. Someone might come over to your house like, it's okay, your furniture's not very comfortable. You know? When you, when we, when I get to heaven, we're not gonna look around and be like, yeah. Don't like the color he chose, I don't like it. We're not gonna say that! We're gonna have our minds blown! It's gonna be so good, it's gonna be so good! Heaven's gonna be so good! And so whatever questions you have or misunderstandings or, or whatever, disagreements, okay, you're wrong, it's fine, it's fine, you're wrong. New heaven in a new earth. Let me just give you a quick science lesson, okay? God spoke and everything that we know existed but we know that everything exists is made up of protons, electrons, and neutrons, okay? Those three elements comprise what? Atoms, good job, science. Atoms, okay, atoms. Atoms comprise every element in the entire universe that we know, protons, electrons, and neutrons, as they're spinning around. This is how everything exists. Science has discovered this recently. They didn't know it back then when God made everything, but the Bible says to you and me that, listen, everything will pass away with a fervent heat. Peter talks about this. Okay, Paul mentions this, that the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire in the end. Did you know that if you take a proton, an electron, and a neutron, and you separate those elements from one another, you get an atomic explosion with great heat, and dissipation, and chaos. It's an atomic bomb. Colossians 1:17, write it down in your notes. The Bible says that God, through Jesus, made all things. And through Jesus, all things are held together. Science teachers today will tre- teach you that protons, electrons, and neutrons, as they spin around at amazing speeds, this energy holding things together—they'll tell you that they're connected by atomic glue. It's a scientific word that describes a mystery that they can't actually explain. And if you ask them, like, "What is the atomic glue made of?" you know. Like, what, what is it? There's protons, electrons, and neutrons. What's that other stuff? And they, they don't know. So they came up with atomic, it's just, it's just some, you know, Elmer's, I mean, atomic glue, you know. Holy Spirit. And if that atomic glue stops working at any point in time, which it's not, that's why you're sitting here, you're okay. If you stopped working, you're, if your atoms exploded, okay, or, or if, and one day, the Bible teaches that Christ who holds all things together will simply let go. In the world, the universe, heavens, as we know it, will cease to exist in a fervent heat and the elements will melt. First Peter chapter three, verses eight, nine, and 10. I don't know how it's gonna, I'm not gonna pretend to be a scientist up here. That's the extent of my science right there. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And I would like to just apply that. It's because God loves you. It's because God wants to care for you. Heaven is renewed for you. God wants to give you a dwelling place forever and ever that is suited to you, that is going to be for us to dwell in. Not recycled, not renovated, not remodeled. See, a lot of people think that God is stingy and broke, the reality is no, you're stingy and broke. He's not. God has enough to go around and he's going to renew and remodel. So the first thing you can write down there is heaven is renewed. It does say there's no more sea. And let me just go and speak to that because I live in Newport, Oregon. I kind of like the sea. Can I, it's like the ocean. That's why we live here, man. And when you hear there's no sea, you might be kind of troubled. Like, "Whoa, no way. You know, it's our industry. Our fishermen make our living there and our surfers have entertainment there and our tourists come to see it here and people come to live here in the ocean. Let me just say this. In John's day, the sea wasn't treated the way we treat the sea. In John's day, the sea was a bad thing. It was known as evil, as judgment, as separation, as lostness, it was a problem. Through technology and the way we've developed, we've been able to redeem the sea. Now when people go on vacation, they go to the sea. In John's day, they wouldn't go to the ocean, be the worst place in the world. It was certain death in his day. And so when the Bible says the sea won't be there, first of all, I don't actually know what that means. It doesn't mean there won't be water. It doesn't mean there won't be great bodies of water. Maybe there won't be salt water. You guys know that in our world that exists now with pollution and the environment that we have, God created the saltwater ocean as a great hydraulic system that makes everything work together and actually sanitizes our polluted world on the daily. 70% of our globe is covered with the ocean in order that the world we have would have air, oxygen is produced from the ocean and all this stuff. That's not gonna be necessary in heaven. So when it says there's no sea, part of me is like, what, where am I gonna surf, bro? (laughs) Let me say this. Okay, you're not gonna be disappointed when you get to heaven, okay, no matter what. There's no more sea. It could also speak, I don't know, the sea is referenced in the book of Revelation as groups of world leaders, political parties, you know, seas and nations. It just says there's no more sea. I don't know exactly what it is. It's going to be legit. Number one, it's renewed. Number two, it's real. Look at verse... Two, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, number two, heaven's real. He says right here in verse two, I, John, saw the New Jerusalem come down out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her groom. I saw it. He writes his own name in there for some reason. He's been penning this book for like quite some time. He's like, by the way, I really did see it. You guys ever seen those books out there entitled Heaven is Real? These people who like die and go to heaven and they come back. And a lot of my friends and family have read those books, and, and I have nothing necessarily against them, but I don't really need a book that tells me heaven is real because I know that the Bible already tells me heaven's real. Okay? It's it's real. It's real. And you need to understand that and take it to the bank. He's I, John, I saw it come down. Prepared. And check this out, by the way. This is so cool. The Lord ministered to me so deeply yesterday. As I looked ahead from yesterday to today, our reading program is in John 14, the five by five reading program. And Jesus said in John 14, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I'll come back to you after it's been prepared, John 14, two and three. That word prepare is the same word that John uses here in Revelation 21, two, where he saw the new Jerusalem come out of heaven prepared as a bride for her groom. Guys, did you know that Jesus is preparing this place for us right now? Like a carpenter, like a master builder, he's preparing it and making it, and it is a promise, it's real. One day it's going to show up. John Soder, he's like, guys, man, trip out. Don't don't freak out, don't don't tap out, Don't, don't spaz out. It's real. And he said it's as a bride. You guys know that the bride of Christ is the church, it's a people group, and that the city of God is also a people group. See, cities aren't cities, or should I say, Cities are cities, not because of the buildings. Cities are cities because of the people. And the bride of Christ is a people. And the city of Jerusalem is going to be made of people. And John describes it as a bride. And I don't know how you like weddings. I get to do weddings every single year, dozens and dozens of weddings. And the best part of the wedding, best part of the wedding, is with me and the groom, are standing here. We're waiting. And the music changes. And the ring bearers and the flower girls and the wedding party, they've all done their part. And now we're waiting. And then the bride's song comes and that music begins to play. And everyone's waiting, where is she coming from? What door is she gonna emerge from? And she comes out of the bride. And as soon as I see her, man, my eyes start to fill with water. And I look at the groom and he, <laughs> you know, mess over here. And Everyone's taking pictures of the groom instead of the bride because of his reaction when he sees his wife. And John sees heaven, he says, man, it was as a bride. It was the best, it was adorned, it was prepared. As I was reading John 14 yesterday, the Lord ministered to my heart and said, Luke, you're studying Revelation 21. It's at the exact same place, I promise, it's real. Don't lose heart, don't lose hope. Everything you're going through right now will be worth it in the end because not only is heaven renewed, but heaven is real. Look at verse three and number three, heaven is relational. It says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Stop right there and eyes up here quickly. Heaven is relational primarily. God is a relational God. This is really big in the Jewish kingdom and the Jewish society, relationship with God. Adam and Eve, the very first relationship established and expressed from God. He dwelt with them in the cool of the day. And when that was broken, God dwelt with the children as they walked through the wilderness in the tabernacle meeting and they dwelt with him. And then when the temple was constructed, God dealt with him in the temple and his presence was right there in the Shekinah glory. And then God dwelt with us through the power of his word. He gave himself over to us through his word. And then God gave himself to us, not just through his word, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus was with humanity dwelling with us. And now not just the son of God, but the spirit of God is here with us, mingling us together with the kingdom of God, the spirit of God in the final and seventh revelation of God's presence with us because heaven is relational. listen. It's declared here in verse three, I'm gonna say it again because you guys gotta see this. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Stop right there, eyes up here. I want you guys to trip out on this. Heaven is relational. Most of you who are Christians here today, maybe most of you struggle with this. You think God wants something from you, wants you to do something for him. Wants you to walk a certain way and live a certain way. He's just kind of like you know, just kind of like a boss, you know? Hey, you show up to work. What would you do today? You know? Check this out. I need you to repent of that. You know what God really wants from you? You. He really just likes you. He doesn't want your good deeds. He doesn't want your moral walk. He doesn't want your money. <laughs> He really just likes you. He just wants to be with you. He's making heaven forever to be with us. That's he's gonna be with, he's, he's been doing everything he can to be with us, with his word, with his spirit, with his son, with his presence, with, with the garden, everything. And he's recreating that. This will change everything about the way you live your life. It'll actually make you moral. It'll make you generous. It'll make you a giver. It'll make you a doer. It'll make all the things that we think God wants from us. Those are byproducts of the prime product, which is fellowship with him. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens up, I'll come in, I'll hang out with you. I just wanna be with you. Guys, if you're struggling with loneliness or depression or temptation, okay, I truly believe this concept that God just loves you, wants to be with you, it'll help you. It'll change everything. Fourthly, heaven's gonna be full of relief. Look at verse four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. One of the best ways to explain how something is so good is to identify the things that won't be there. There's a lot of good things about earth, a lot of good things about life. I've got photo albums at home we look at that record our life. Like, remember that? Oh man, that was cool. Remember that? Most of us put our good stuff on Facebook. The rest of it goes on Instagram. <laughs> just kidding, I don't have Instagram. I might, I don't know. No matter how hard we try, though, have you realized that this earth just doesn't fit? Even though, Even the best thing, new car, new house, new job, new relationship, no matter what, it just, it ultimately, it just, it's broken. And not just broken in its discomfort and its inability to actually satisfy us, but sometimes it goes to the next level. Sometimes it brings sorrow and pain and tears and death. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you insulate your life, no matter how much you struggle, no matter how much you try, and, it just, and so heaven is described as, oh, those things won't be there. The former things will be no more. Friday, we had our men's group. And at 5.45 in the morning, which is really early, I go to JC Market and I put my mask on and I go and I buy four dozen donuts. It's pretty fun. And the same people are there every, every single Friday. The same people shopping, the same people working. It's like they're all there on purpose or something, like they have somewhere to be. No one's just hanging out. And I, and so I got the donuts this week and I, I was coming in the door here and it's early and Eddie's setting up for men's group. And, and as I walked in, I saw my friend, Rob. He's here for the morning group. He's sitting in the back there. And as I walked in, he just looked a little bit, maybe more tired than normal. You know, I wasn't gonna judge him for it because it's 5.45 in the morning. And I had donuts and I'm trying to be chipper, get coffee. Hey, Rob, how you doing? And he looked over at me and he just began to cry. And he gave me some news that he had just received himself the day before from his doctor. He's got some tumors in his head. This isn't the first time. It's not the second time. And here I am with donuts and coffee. And he began to feel bad. Like, oh, man, I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be, and I was like, bro, let's do this. And I began to point him and point myself to the promises of God in a broken world. To the opportunity to suffer well, to the hope that we hold on to, that in heaven no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death. And yet in this life we have it. We can't pretend. I love, I love if you follow me on Facebook, most of my posts are pretty, pretty fun. Because I because I try and redeem everything but life is full of sorrow. And yet this is not all we have. My friend Jackie, sitting over here, begins her treatments tomorrow, this week, last couple, yesterday, Friday, Friday, same day. We're gonna pray for Jackie and Rob at the end of the service, anoint them with oil. Ask God to both heal them and to walk with them. If you need prayer for anything, which you will, which you you do, we're super excited about the office space we're opening up at the other side of the bridge for the church. You can come see us throughout the week and get prayed for in services like this. And when you meet people with confidence in their pain and their struggle, heaven is going to be renewed. Heaven is real. Heaven will be filled with relief. Right now we suffer. There'll be no more death. Guys, look at verse five, he underscores it. He who sat on the throne said, "'Behold, I make all things new.' And he said to me, "'Write, for these words are true and faithful.'" He underscores it. It's happening, it's going to happen. The old things, the former things will be no more. I wanna say something and I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna give you guys the last couple of points. We're gonna go about four minutes too long today. It's all right. I know the person in charge. <laughs> Isaiah 65 verse 17 says something interesting. Isaiah prophesying, he says, Behold, heaven and earth shall be made new and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. That's crazy. Some people think that heaven will be full memory bank. According to what we see here, the former things are made new. I'm going to say this, I want you guys to chew on it. Anything painful in this world, anything regretful, anything difficult, will not be taken with you into heaven. And you won't even have a remembrance of it.. If you're wondering, what about that thought? What about that relationship that messed me up so bad? And what about this person? What about all that? Because oh yeah, none of that's getting in. No place for it. Can you imagine? Complete freedom, complete relief. You guys have any haunts, any regrets? Any difficulties? Okay, burned, gone. Verse six, says says, and he said to me, we're only gonna to go to verse eight. He said to me, it is done. This would be something a carpenter would say when he's finished with this project. Jesus was a carpenter. I am the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Heaven, fifthly, is refreshing. And somebody needs to hear this today. There's nothing in this life that will truly satisfy you. So stop trying. The one thing that will satisfy you every time is the fountain of life. Jesus said in John 4 to the woman, if you drink of that water, you're gonna thirst again. Hang with me, you'll never thirst again. Jesus said in John chapter seven, bellies of living water will come out of your belly. Torrents of living water. I am the living water. This will help you in your journey this week when you're just bummed out, when your kids are acting up, or your spouse is acting up, or you're acting up. (laughs) Just left thirsty, not just thirsty. Nothing nothing works. Nothing's, everyone's messing with me. Really? Go Go to the fountain. That's what heaven's gonna be like. Number seven, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Not only will it be refreshing, it'll be rewarding. Number six. There'll be an inheritance. It says, I will be his God and he shall be my son, my, my child. Guys, heaven is gonna be full of wonder and gifts and goodness and inheritance. It, on earth there's inheritances. When, when people pass away, we receive something, you know, and you, usually it's, it's, it's mixed with pain. Ah, like, oh, man, I lost the person, but I got some stuff. And, ah. and usually most of the stuff you don't need, you know, what am I gonna do with all this stuff? Okay, when you get to heaven, You're gonna enter into your inheritance and I guarantee you, it's gonna be tailor made for you. What do you like to do down here? What do you enjoy? Are you a fisherman, are you a sportsman, are you you gonna join fabric for some reason, you know? (laughs) Surfing, you know, you like to travel. Your inheritance is gonna be tailor made for you. God sees you and he's gonna bless you. It's rewarding. And lastly, not only is heaven refreshing and rewarding, I'm gonna end on this thought, it's kind of the thought we started on, okay? Final thought, heaven is restricted. It is. But the cowardly, verse eight, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Stop right there, eyes up here. I'm gonna say this quickly because I don't have time to develop this thought, but I want you to at least hear it. I, for one, am glad that these people listed are not gonna be there. Murderers and abominable and sinners and Bad people, right? Let me make sure we understand something, though. I am all these people. You are all these people. And not only will they not be here, listen, these attributes will not be in you anymore. They will not be in you. All the stuff you got, The weaknesses that remain, flesh. It won't be there. unless we rejoice that that group of people, that list isn't there and think that we're better than them, we're no different than them. I'm no different than them. The only difference is I am forgiven, that I've pled the blood, although it will be restricted. It's gonna be renewed. It's real. Guys, heaven is relational. Heaven's refreshing. Heaven's rewarding and heaven is restricted. I'm gonna ask you guys to close your eyes, bow your heads as we ask the Lord to lead us out today. God, we thank you so much for what you've done and who you are, for your word, Lord, for worship, for communion today. Lord, this is real life. So many things I do, so many things we do, they're just, man, it's just temporary weird stuff. This is it. Write these things down. They are faithful and true. Take it to the bank. My kingdom is coming. Do not be caught off guard. So Jesus, would you give us that sense of urgency even this week as we live and breathe and do what we do to be relational with you, to walk with you, to hang on to the promises of God that there will be relief coming. Until then, give us strength to suffer well. Lord, there's loss and pain in this room. So Holy Spirit, would you would you anoint? Even as we pray for Jackie and for Rob today, Lord, we're going to ask for graces, gifts and miracles. And we trust you. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. Would you continue to wake up Lincoln County? save people alive. Would you continue to protect us, Lord, from all things virus-related? Body, mind, and spirit, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Bless the 11 a.m. service, Lord, as they come in and try and find their seats. Bless those who are home watching. We thank you so much for all you've done. We again lift up our nation to you, no matter who gets elected. Would you, Lord, use the results to wake people up Let there not be violence, let there not be criticism, let there not be carnality, let there not be pride, let there not be any devastation, Lord. We just pray protection from all that. We ask for your peace. Lord, we trust you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said? Amen. Amen Amen and amen. God bless you guys.